to live as a world-class Christian. And that's basically what he's giving here. There isn't any sense of uh, an argument that he's trying to uh, deal with or a heresy necessarily in the book of Romans like you would find in the book of Colossians or in the book of Philippians or with the Corinthian church. And so the idea here is that this is, this is standard. This is the uh, implications of what it means to live as a Christian in the world. And his intention is that it would be understood that way at any place and any age. So beginning in chapter 12, verse 3, for, the grace, for through the grace given to me, uh, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is service, uh, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is contributing, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, in these verses that begin at uh, verse 9 and go down through verse 13, the focus is on the ethic that we need to relate to one another inside the church. And then beginning at verse 14, you begin to see the idea that there are people that are persecutors. And then the ideas uh, from that point on for a number of verses would be how as Christians we're going to relate to people that are outside the church. But this particular uh, structure of verses here focuses on us as Christians. And so in, in the first few verses, it's we're to present ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord, our body. We're to have our minds renewed. This is the key factor in moving forward. Have we given ourselves, body and mind, to the work of the Lord? Then he goes on in the next series of verses and says, Now each one of you has been given some type of gift. And it's very important that you, in some way, identify what your gift is and then that you use that gift for the building up of the entire church. It's not that I have a gift and I'm special because I have a gift and I should be deferred to or something like that. 
but rather I've got a gift. And this gift is a gift for everybody that's in the church. And, and that gift needs to be then freely and liberally used uh, for the life of the church. You know, you get into this 80-20 rule. Most of you are familiar with that. In a church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. <laughs> and you've got a whole bunch of other people that are in the church, and their contributions are minimal, if anything at all. And, and Paul never envisioned a church like that. We should never envision our own participation in a church like that. We should look at ourselves and say, what is, what's the gift I've been given, and then how do I do this? Now, with that in mind, we come to these verses about our own individual personal ethic, and we're told to make sure that our love is sincere. Now, if you've been in any kind of a church for any length of time, just the other day I was sitting with somebody that is connected to this church, but not a part of our church right now. And we're talking about this church. And they just says, you know, that church is just filled up with people that love you when you're there. And I went, that that's, was a great testimony to hear somebody say that. That's basically the way I look at the church all the time, across the board, various Sunday schools, when something goes wrong, the people come to the plate to make sure the needs are being met. The idea here is individually that we are to be people that are sincerely loving others. Um, if you've got a church full of those people or a Sunday school full of those kind of people, you've got a, a great and healthy church. But it begins here. Now, the word sincere is, uh, well... It's a euphemism. It's not the word that's used here. The, the word that's typically used here in this verse is a transliteration of a Greek word. And the Greek word is the Greek word hypocrite. And so the idea is don't let your love be hypocritical. Make sure that it is without hypocrisy. Now, what is a hypocrite? You've got an idea, but unless somebody's kind of laid it all out there what a hypocrite is, you've probably got a bad idea. But a hypocrite is a professional actor in this era. That's what a hypocrite is. In other words, the hypocrite comes on the stage, and there may be a cast of ten actors. Well, there may be 40 roles that have to be played, during this enactment. And so each actor will have to assume in the play multiple roles. Now, if you're familiar with this and you say, okay, I remember in high school or at college or I can remember at some little theater uh, production place that they would have advertisements for their organization. Now, classically, what is the advertisement for something like this? You remember? You have two masks. So the drama club advertises its club with the use of two masks. One mask has a 
and the other mask has a, and, and that was it. And so you could be one way, and then in an instant you could be somebody else, and he's saying, uh-uh, no, that's not a Christian. Now, we have this song, and we uh, sing the song, If Our Love Were But More Simple. You remember singing that song? If our love were but more simple. Now, the idea is that love is supposed to be simple. Now, by that, it's not something that is divisible. It's not something made up of parts. It's not complex. It's straightforward. And it's always comprehensible that when people think of us, they think of a, a loving person. That that's just simply the way we're thought of. And, and that's what he's asking us to be here. We're going to be involved teaching. You're going to be involved in giving encouragement. And in doing all of this, we should be doing it with a genuineness of love. We love to teach. We love other people. We prepare to teach because we love the opportunity of presenting truth to other people, and we want them built up in Christ, and we want them to flourish, and so on and so forth. And the idea that this this gift, whatever it is that we have to contribute to the church and all of our interactions in the church, the overarching rubric would be a genuine, simple love for other people because God has poured out his love upon us. Now when we move down here for this next series, you see that it gives sort of a noun, uh, a definition, and then there's some sort of an imperative verb that follows it. And in all of these other little words that are in our English translation aren't there in the Greek. There's the verb, and so if we take this next one, abhor, evil. Now the idea is twofold. Uh, The idea is memorableness. The idea that as Paul's writing this, he's not merely writing a letter to change the world, but he's writing something in an era when books were uncommon. And so the, the, the vividness here was what Paul was seeking to attain so that people would have these things anchored in their mind and they would go off with them. And as they would go off with these things in their mind, then they could reflect on them easily and then they would impact their personal ethic. So you you also have here uh, a picture of something that is more Hebrew or Oriental in its mentality because you have something typically spoken positively and then something spoken of negatively. Again, it's not so much to cover the waterfront A to Z as it is something uh, to impact us and to deepen the thought rather than to expand the thought. And the idea, again, is memorableness, vividness to to help us in our, our way forward, not having... 
uh, the written word like they had, like we have today. So it's abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. It would be abhor evil, cling good. That's the way it would be. We really need to think about this. It's right at the beginning. Now, it's not like Paul had a collection of these things that he wanted to say, okay? And he thought, well, you know, I'll just start flipping a a Roman coin and seeing which one is going to go first. That's not it. There is an order here. Love is supreme, and it's first. But if you're going to have a simple love, an unhypocritical love, you can't love that which is evil. You can't let evil things come into your life and entertain them and have a genuine, sincere, unhypocritical love. If you know it's evil, the idea is because of the love of God that's in you, after all, well, we'll come to that in a minute. You've got to abhor what is evil. Now, I became a Christian. I've told you that I was way on out there in the bad boy society of southern Florida there in the the very uh, early 1970s. It didn't take rocket science for me to look at what I was doing and say that that was grossly inconsistent with becoming a Christian. And so for me to walk was a rather simple thing. I changed my play. I changed my playmates. I changed my playpen. I walked. People were saying, where is John? John wasn't there. I would just say to you that maybe an aspect of your life that you need to look at like this. I go into people's homes. I don't abhor, but I'm appalled when I go in and you're looking at the television and Things are coming on the television, and they're almost like the people that are in the room and whose home I'm in, it's almost like they have some kind of an antiseptic shield on or something. They're looking at stuff. And I am just kind of going like, you're looking at this. I can't even believe it. I just don't want to entertain that in my mind. I say that to you. You've got to understand what's happened to our culture. Let me come at this a different, two different ways here by way of illustration. I remember going to Disney World right after it opened. Probably went three times. Now, I know this is going to be a shock. My kids have never been to Disney World. But I listened to the message of Disney World in its Eastern religion, by and large. 
that's being portrayed down there. You can see it in many, many motifs right from the very beginning. You see a symbol very often. Sometimes I've seen it on wristwatches. I've seen it on necklaces. I've seen a lot of tattoos. You'll see it in bumper stickers. You'll see it in decals in the back windows of automobiles. You've got a circle and a funny little line that goes through the circle like this. Half of the circle is what? Black. The other side is, well, that's an oriental symbol of God. And God is evil, and God is good all at the same time. And the scriptures tell us that God is light. And in him there is no darkness, none at all. <laughs> Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Who does that sound like? Sounds like our God. There's a girl, Amy Nunn, and Amy is a woman in her probably late 30s, early 40s, church over in Columbia, South Carolina. Gift of encouragement. Now over there, the, the little southern girls South Carolina that are, uh, I, I don't know, I guess it's just a cultural deal over there. They have a thing that's called a Circe. Any of y'all? Circe, one, just one. One person's familiar with a Circe. A Circe is a chick thing, okay? So the girls, the women, they look at somebody that's doing something that needs encouragement. Like, you're doing a good job, and I want to encourage you in what you're doing. So you, you pick a gift that relates to that person's whatever they're doing that's doing good to say, I recognize what you're doing, I value what you're doing, and what you're doing is good, please continue doing what you're doing. That's a Circe. Walked in my office with a troop of young women and laid a comp 